I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And for our intents and purposes here in the cold, it is the Storyteller's Church, because almost every week, (laughs) we talk about story and all of its incarnations here. And um, this week in particular, I want to talk about how a story, how a story has tentacles, basically, how it affects, how a story that's meaningful can affect our lives, can change our behavior, can affect what we write and read and inspire it. Um, Because I was thinking about um, I was thinking about something that happened a couple of years ago. Is as you know, we sit here and we're planning on possibly doing something um, during the week of spring break. But anyway, a couple of years ago, I was sitting on the beach with Costa Rica, not with Costa Rica, in Costa Rica, with my brother-in-law Roberto, and he leaned in, poised to tell me a story. Now, I love his stories because they're vivid and filled with humor, and they're even a little mean. And that's not because Roberto is mean, he's not. What he is, though, is a very keen observer of nature, human and otherwise, of reaction and interaction, of the way the light reflects upon the sea, or the way a campfire can smell like winter, even on the hottest day. And a young woman can smell like a summer night, no matter what perfume or lack thereof she's wearing. He's really that good. He's also a Latin bon vivant. He's a man who taught himself French just so that he could read Victor Hugo and Alexandre Dumas in their native language, for God's sake. And he's also the only straight man I've ever known who can credibly wear an ascot. His stories are just filled with these piquant details. And I'm always happy to put down whatever book I'm reading in order to listen. And on this particular occasion, he looked out And he said, just look at that. He was pointing at two dogs just wrestling on the beach. You know, they were roughly the size of golden retrievers, but in their form looked more like Dalmatians without spots. One was this pale yellow, and the other was a rusty brown. Cute, I said, because they were, you know, they were frolicking and rolling in the sand, nipping at one another. I've been watching them all week. Roberto told me. He and my sister-in-law, Sheila, had arrived a few days before my husband and I, settling into their timeshare and like, you know, stocking up on supplies like insect repellent and Spanish ham and fresh papaya and of course, gin and tonics. The female, the light one, belongs to a family who's on holiday, while the male, he belongs to one of the beach vendors and lives here all year. Roberto told me. Lucky dog, I thought, because, man, if there is a dog, heaven, it has to resemble Playa Hermosa in Costa Rica. 
black volcanic sand, these tiny islands just off the shore that are easily swimmable to a gifted athlete. A sky so blue, it makes rain seem impossible. And these dogs were chasing each other on it, sniffing each other's butts, trouncing on sand crabs, just radiating joy. Yesterday, a man walked by and made friends with the male dog, Roberto said. He had treats in his pocket and he was giving them to him. And when he continued on his walk, he beckoned the dog to come with him and he didn't call the lady dog for some reason. Perhaps he didn't take to her, only the boy. I could see why. The male dog seemed like a bit of a rogue, free and handsome, the perfect partner in crime for a young, single guy with a pocket full of kibble. And the male with the brown coat, you know, he ran after him so happy, while the lady dog, she sat up and cocked her head. She sat right there on the beach. Roberto pointed to this log and some driftwood next to a colony of volcanic rock. <laughs> it was the only lonely place on Playa Hermosa, and even people in search of solitude seemed to avoid it. Although the palm log there was one of many that had been downed by a hurricane the previous week, no one would sit on it, while the others were just full. You know, I mean, there were coconut salesmen and women in sun hats and beach volleyball players anxious for a way to get into a full game. This lady looked after him with such sorrow, Roberto told me. She watched her lover run away and follow this man, chewing his treats, forgetting all about her. I looked over at the lady dog with her pale yellow fur and one paw up, elegant, holding it the way a woman at tea might hold her pinky as she takes a sip of her Earl Grey. Then, in the next moment, she crumbled, stretching out onto her back and taking playful swipes at her fickle bow. You're too good for him, I wanted to tell her. <laughs> and so it went for some time, Roberto said. And the lady just sat there. She couldn't even whine. She just looked on as he scampered away, completely oblivious to her suffering. Typical man, I said, and Roberto laughed. He ran his fingers through his thick black hair and scratched his scalp as if it were a decadent pleasure, like the dogs were rubbing off on him. But every once in a while, he continued, the boy dog would stop and look back. The lady was still there looking after him, and this seemed to please him. Then the man would call him and he'd go. He'd take his treat and keep following this man down the beach. The boy dog was prancing and cheerful in the presence of his new friend, but then he turned around again. And still, there was the lady longing for his company. She wouldn't move. Such sadness. Once more, 
boy dog turned to the man, who gave him another treat, and he ate it. But as he started to go with the man again, the boy dog with the brown coat turned around one last time. Now, of course she was there, faithful and heartsick, just as she had been. And right then, he left his new friend and came running back to his lady. I have never seen such delight in the eyes of another being as I saw in that lady dog's eyes. He ran to her and he jumped up and she sprinted towards him. And they've been in love ever since. It was funny because yes, they were in love, these these two dogs. It was as clear to me as it was to Roberto and anyone watching them. I wondered how long the lady dog would cry once her family took her back to their home in San Jose, or how long it would take before her vacation lover forgot her, stopped gazing out over the water and moved on to another visiting canine or another man with treats. But that's not the story, is it? The story is that he did come back. He chose his girl over his buddy and over treats. That's what the story is about. And while it probably didn't end happily for the dogs, I mean, they are, after all, dependent upon their masters and will in all likelihood never see one another again. Their love, however, did inspire another story as all great romances do. It inspired mine. Because at that point, my husband and I were having our first vacation alone without our children in 15 years. Even Sheila and Roberto were leaving us after a couple of days, driving back to their home in San Jose. Now, of course, (laughs) we knew our romance wouldn't last either. Soon we'd have to go back to our children and our jobs, like the beach dogs. The week was pretty much it for us. And we relished our time together with the same unbridled enthusiasm. We got a couple's massage right on the beach. We took long walks and drank fruity drinks with little umbrellas. We held hands and swam in the warm, frothy ocean and kissed while watching a sunset that looked like burning embers. We said, I love you, with real feeling, instead of tossing the words off in a hurry, as we do when we're on our way to another work event or another soccer game. And sure, I whined for a couple of days when we returned. And my husband stared at his computer, barely able to move, until a call came in and he had to take it. And slowly we moved on. And what I moved on to was a novel I was writing called Savage Island. And actually, there was a lot in this dog love story, for heaven's sake, that 
inspired me about um, the lovers that I was writing about, these eternal lovers who are born over and over again and have to find one another um, in each life. And they are also um, destined to, kind of, well, basically to help humanity survive because there is this ancient evil that, that they are going to have to contend with. Um, eventually in one of these lives. So I, I also want to read you just a, a short excerpt from that so you can see just how deeply this love story in Costa Rica affected me. The deep water is as clear as a pane of glass. Will slices through it like an eel, then floats above the colorful brains of coral looking as brilliant as any exotic sea animal. Reflected light flickers over the tattoos all over his body. Diving deeper, he plucks a perfect spotted shell from the sea floor and swims to me. We break the surface of the water and I push my goggles up onto my forehead. Will, who doesn't need any, blinks the salt water out of his eyes then leans in to kiss me. Our mesh sack of shells clinks as we make our way up to Hio Beach, one of the only sandy beaches on Nui. White and soft as silt, the sand molds to our backs as we lie down and gaze up at a perfect sky that mimics the aqua blue of the ocean. I wonder how many times Will and I have seen such a vista together in how many lives, and if we were as happy as we are right in this moment. So there we have it, story. Story and how deeply it sinks into our bones, into our thoughts, into everything we do, into how we organize and make sense of our emotions and our lives. So, I think we will just end with that um, here in the cold. As I look out onto the cold, I look out onto the strange spring little snow, not snowstorm, but snowflakes that are falling outside. We have not had any snow this year in Virginia. So I'm kind of happy to see it because I have missed that. So until next time, stay cold, my friends, and have a great one. Mm-hmm.